Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. Thank you for asking. I, I, every time you ask me that question at the start of an episode, I wish I had something really interesting to say. But I don't. I'm just well. And maybe that's what we should all strive for. Yeah, exactly. I think being content is better than anything. I quite like yeah. the idea of someone just being like, "Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm fine. Nothing's going yeah, wrong. Just, Nothing's, it's all good. No, just, just plodding along, mm. which is, which is good. No disasters. Well, I'm happy now because, uh, as we mentioned before we started recording, the weather has just immediately changed. We've gone from being, uh, yes. I don't know, uh, Spain to where I, th- where I've just been, where I, but it didn't look like it at all. Now it's like Poland, where it should be like cold and damp and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm loving. But it, it. changed so drastically because this weekend was very hot. Yeah, it was awful. and now I'm sat here in a hoodie, and I went out at lunch to get myself a meal deal, as you do, and I was like, oh, it's a, it's a bit nippy. It might be jacket weather. Oh, oh I love it. I love it. We, like I say, mm-hmm. we've recently just come back from Poland, and. Uh, we thought it would be jacket weather. It was not jacket weather, honestly. Was it warm? It was baking. One day it was 26 degrees and we were like, in... no, this is too much. That's mad. Yeah. When I was in Poland in my youth, well, over a decade ago now, um, I think we hit minus 15 or minus 20. Wow. That's Yeah, crazy. it was fucking cold. Mm. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm glad. I'm glad it's getting cold now. And uh, oh, for those um, for those that don't know, I all of the listeners, of course, you don't. Uh, obviously, yeah, I have just been to Poland, and I, whilst I was there, I got to visit um, Auschwitz, and let me tell you, that was a fucking experience. Uh, that was intense. That was a that was a day. I know a lot about Auschwitz. I'm a massive history buff. Obviously, we've even spoke about it in the. Um, Bit old Pilecki episode at the guy who got himself deliberately put into Auschwitz. Um, in fact, I've got a book that I bought there um, of Auschwitz, like then and now, exactly where it was. And um, I, I honestly was not prepared for being actually there and seeing. I think it that's all. the thing, isn't it? Like it, it, it confronts you because you hear about it and you see videos and things, but until you actually stand in the room and see it. It, for me, like obviously, like you see the room with the hair and the shoes, which is heart wrenching. But like the bit for me that was like a punch in the fucking stomach was when you go into the gas chamber, mm. and like you can see the nail marks on the wall, and you're like, "Fucking hell!" Like yeah. this is a human being who was scratched at this wall. Yes, um, it, it 
I remember saying to my partner Jenna at one point where we were just sort of standing on this parade square where they told us that they would all stand and count their numbers but right opposite is a gallows where um, up to like 12 people would be hung from these and I remember saying to Jenna I was just like it's just it's crazy that we're stood where people just collapsed and died and were just straight up murdered here and yeah it's it was just it was it was a very very surreal experience and um even going mm. to auschwitz birkenau the, uh, the the bigger camp where it was basically an extermination camp there um going in some of the billets where these people stayed oh honestly yeah breathtaking some of it um yeah but uh if you are interested i i did one for the team I uh, recorded my journey throughout Auschwitz and I will be putting together a small little uh, documentary style video uh, about Auschwitz. And if you would like to see that, it will be going out on our Patreon. So, yeah, if you want to see that, you can head over to Patreon to see um, my little take on Auschwitz. Not that I have a take any different to everyone else, but... (laughs) It's a very edgy take. (laughs) It was a very edgy take. Um, yeah, yeah. I look forward. I haven't seen that yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Well, that's because I haven't made it yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I look forward to the day. Yeah, um, I'd also like to, uh, before we start, you know, get a bit of homework out of the way. Um, shout out to a couple of people that have messaged us recently. So shout out to Frida, who um, I just replied to. So I'm really sorry it took us so long to get back to you. Uh, Frida, Lorena, Andy, and Donna. Uh, you guys recently got in touch with us. Honestly, it was great to hear from you guys. So thank you, um, especially for those of you who sent us suggestions. They are on the list. Mm-hmm. And again, I mentioned the Patreon. If you'd like to have more say in... Uh, what episodes we do going forward uh, there will be a way to vote for what episodes we cover uh, over on the patreon so if you want to head over to patreon you can uh, vote for that there's currently a poll going on i think at the moment isei, Seg- isei segawa is the guy who people are most intrigued about listening about so that's what's going on if you would like to change that opinion go on patreon and vote for something else um well said and oh, yeah lastly big shout out to andy obviously i just mentioned you there andy um who recently messaged us talking about the mick philpot episode um with a oh, little that was so interesting honestly with a little bit of insider knowledge that um your partner worked in one of the hospitals where the kids were taken after the fire and met mick philpot which is just wow I mean, reading that yeah. message was incredible. So thank you very much for that. That was fascinating. Um, and yeah, really helped to sort of like give a little bit more context to that episode because that was a hard episode, you know. That's not very nice. No, it's, it's a horrible, horrible bloke. Mm. So yes, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you would like to get in contact with us, like you, you can just jump on us on socials, honestly. Well, that's where we are. We used to be like, oh, send us an email. But honestly, the email address is too long enough as it is. Like, so I don't even expect you to put it in. Just jump on Facebook, <laughs> socials, Instagram. Drop us a message there, and uh, we'll always reply. Anyway. Yeah, it will usually be uh, Ryan who replies. If he doesn't see it, I usually screenshot the message and send it to Ryan. Yeah. And then we'll have a chat about the message, and then Ryan will reply to you. <laughs> um oh also um we have uh migrated once again this will be the third time that the podcast has migrated to a different distributor we started off with audio boom which was a recommendation from you james back in the um broke show podcast days oh god yeah yeah that's um, years back yeah um then we moved to podbean where we've been for the last couple of years and we've now moved over to Acast, which i think is the big big boy show now we are we are in the big town. It's, it's where the major podcasts podcasts are. So we've we've grown. Mm. I think that shows the growth. Yeah. But I, does that also mean that people might be hearing adverts throughout the? So yes, we've moved over to Acast for a particular reason. Obviously, um, what we want to do is make this our, you know, eventually a, a job for us. We would love to do this and get paid to do this, and this be our thing. However that is very difficult to do now um you guys are generous enough to send us donations purchase the merch um head over to patreon like you guys are fantastic when it comes to that however um we need to try and find other avenues and ways to try and monetize the show a a little bit more so um you may see at some point in the future uh some ads roll in every now and then i will try and learn as we go and that's all it is this is a learning exercise at the moment is try and find the right moments where to put them 
uh, throughout the show. But don't be surprised if mid-sentence it just says, Hello Fresh, Hello Fresh, get your box of Hello Fresh. Hello know. Fresh advertises everywhere. This is free advert for them. Every yeah. fucking podcast is Hello Fresh. I um, have to admit, I have recently done Hello Fresh, and I am very surprised. Wait, by wait, the whole wait! Thing. They haven't paid you. To, they haven't paid you. Don't. Well, Hello Fresh. If I you have are... no opinions on Hello Fresh. <laughs> Hello Fresh. If you are listening and you'd like to pay us some money, and I will talk about the fact that I've used your service for about a month, and I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I will talk about it more. <laughs> See, I don't want to give them free advertisement, so I just go to the supermarket and buy my own food. What supermarket do you go to? You know what? It varies. I've recently <laughs> taken a stand against Lidl. I don't like it. Anyway, let's get on to the episode. These people have wasted enough <laughs> of their time. Sorry, yeah. Nine minutes of fucking homework. Sorry. <laughs> right, let's get into it, shall we? Let's talk about this week's episode. So, let's start. Diving into a deep, dark, cavernous hole is something that a lot of us find exciting. That's what she said! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to do this episode anymore. I am, of course, talking about caves. Our imaginations go wild, wondering what could be hiding in these underground worlds. Maybe our fascination with caves come from our early days as cavemen, when the only form of shelter protecting us from the elements was a wide open cave. Maybe on some level, they feel like home to us still. Not only that, but oftentimes these caves are home to precious stones like gems and minerals, all things that we humans find fascinating and highly valuable. I was recently in Poland where I visited the famous salt mines of Krakow. It was heaving hundreds of people, desperate to go underground and wander around miles of caverns. It was cool, but about 327 metres down, one little nagging thought popped into my head. I'd be fucked if this all collapsed. Exploring caves, as fascinating as it is, is a dangerous activity, one that only the bravest, or stupidest, of people take up as a hobby. In this episode, we will meet a man who was endlessly fascinated with caves, so much so he was dubbed the greatest cave explorer ever known. Let's meet Floyd Collins. William Floyd Collins, known to his friends as Floyd, was born on July 20th, 1887 in Auburn, Kentucky. His parents were Leonidas Collins, simply known as Lee, which I think that is a mis- that is a, a mis- injustice. Your name is Leonidas, and you called yourself Lee. You go Leo, surely? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So anyway, his parents were Leonidas Collins and Martha Collins, and he was the third of eight children born to Lee and Martha. His childhood was one typical of someone growing up in a rural area in the late nineteenth century. He was out wandering about the countryside, exploring endlessly fascinated by all he saw but by the age of six he discovered his lifelong passion he discovered caves at that tender age he was squeezing into tight gaps in caves and exploring and i don't think it's too nanny state of me to say that this is incredibly fucking dangerous and no child should be entering caves that are not already thoroughly excavated by professionals and they must at all times have extensive ppe Nice, and you've covered us legally there. Yeah, if, I, if I'm Prime Minister, that's my speech. <laughs> By 1910, Floyd had discovered that the land his parents' farm was on was hiding a proverbial gold mine. He discovered a cave, calling it Donkey's Cave. Now, you may be wondering why a cave would be a proverbial gold mine. Well, well, my friends, you clearly have never heard of the Kentucky Cave Wars. Have you heard of those, James? No, I've clearly never heard of the Kentucky Cave Wars. <laughs> Evidently fucking not. Now, this area of Kentucky is terrible for farming. The soil is shite. So many of the locals needed to find a new way to make themselves a living. Now, the reason for that shite soil is that the whole area is pretty much on top of a cave system. Now, at the time, the famous cave was Mammoth Cave an ancient cave system in the area that picked up popularity when it was mined for saltpetre and, in some areas, used as a tuberculosis hospital. <laughs> that bit made me as laugh. As you do. Yeah, because it's thought that the air in the cave would help. It didn't. <laughs> and it's now I'm, a I'm national shocked. park. I mean, Kate, it sounds like a Minecraft player's dream, this. Oh, Only a handful of people will Absolutely, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I was in the salt mines in Krakow, 
the tour guide that took us around was like, can you smell the air down here? It's purer, it's better, it's healthier for you. And I'm like, it's definitely not. <laughs> did you lick the wall? I did lick the wall. Yeah, I, I licked the wall when I was down and there as well. guess what? It tasted like salt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you'd expect. So I was like, hmm. Salt. You know what? The, the the guide was fucking hilarious, man. She was so excited about this salt mine, and she was like, "Look at the walls; they're all made of salts." And she was like, "Look at the ceiling; can you guess what it's made of?" And everyone was like, "Oh, <laughs> is it salt?" And she's like, "Yes." And then she was like, "Look at the floor; what do you think it's made of?" And I was like, "Is it pepper?" And she's like, "No, it's salt." I was like, right, "Okay." <laughs> She loves her salt. She fucking loves it. And she was like, look, you can lick the wall. Look, there's salt coming from the ceiling. And then we call that cauliflower salt. And you're like, it's just, yeah, sure. It's salt. It's salt. <laughs> anyway. We're all familiar with salt. Yeah. Anyway, it became quite popular, right, in the residents, uh, for the residents in Kentucky, because they realized that their land um, was sitting on top of a long lost entrance to this cave system called Mammoth Cave. And they were like, oh, right. People were visiting Mammoth Cave. I happen to fucking live on top of an old entrance to it. You should come to my place and I'll charge you to enter the cave a different way. That's clever. It's clever. And in time, so many people were doing this that a genuine turf war began, with some people deliberately taking down signs that led to rivals' cave entrances and even going so far as to block the roads leading to them. And I've seen pictures of this and they've just like dumped fucking logs in the middle of the road to stop you going down it. That is crazy. That's like theme parks fighting each other to like try and get people into their their parks and just like blocking roads, oh, yeah. doing smear campaigns. Yeah, spot on, spot on. I mean, for reference too, there are so many cave entrances in this area. The town became known as Cave City. And when I mean the town is literally just sitting on top of a glorified ant colony, I fucking mean it. Like it's no one can farm there because it's just crap. It's just you just sat on a cave. That's all it is. Hmm. Now, there was some serious money to be made here, and Floyd discovering his own cave was likely one of the most exciting moments of his life. Not only did he have a cave of his own to explore, but he could make money from it too. And, you know, that's the end game, isn't it? We all just want to make money from our hobby. Floyd was so good at exploring caves that he was commissioned several times by different geologists to show him around caves looking for minerals and gems. Floyd would discover several other caves, he was a bona fide expert caver, or spelunker, as they're sometimes known. Now, in 1917, he discovered air coming from a hole in the ground. So, he began to dig and discovered another cave that would go on to be known as the Great Crystal Cave. He got his entire family involved in this one. They dug and dug, transforming it into a cavern that could be open to the public. It contained a crystal known as gypsum. It's a mineral that is often mined for its use in fertiliser. Now, on its own, it's not that valuable to Floyd, but it sure is pretty in its crystal form. And that was the whole kind of... He was like, oh, come and look at this giant crystal cave. And they were like, oh, this is nice. Now, the family would push for their cave to become the next big tourist attraction, but the Kentucky Cave Wars would come to their door. In fact, uh, so there's a story that five men came up to Floyd and his family and they threatened him. Uh, that he needed to hand over the land, hand over the cave. It's theirs now. And I don't know if like I read it right, but there was like guns involved as well. And they're like, you're going to give us this. And he was like, no, you're going to get off my fucking land. This is my cave. You can fuck off. Um, now, People really wanted them caves. Bro, honestly, like, because this is the thing. If you had a cave entrance that was better than someone else's, people were going to go there. So you, you, you were buying up land. People were buying up land all the time there because, you know, the caves were such a big thing. Now, I don't know how much of that story is actually true, but I just think it goes a long way to show how much, one, Floyd cared about his business, and two, how serious the caves, cave wars were. Can you still go and see these caves? Are they still there? Yeah, so uh, Mammoth Cave is now a national park in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, you, you did go so. around them. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, in 1925, Floyd was looking for another possible entrance to Mammoth Cave. He had made a deal with two other locals who owned land close by, that they would all share in the operating of the future business should he be able to find and create a useful entrance to a cave. Now, this particular cave was known as Sand Cave. It had a lot of potential. Floyd would spend every day inside the cave, clearing away the rock and rubble, going deeper into the unknown. 
and he discovered a natural cavern around 50 metres down into the cave. It would be perfect for tourists. Problem was, it wasn't easy to get to yet. Even for Floyd, it was tricky. Now, it's really hard to describe what a cave looks like in an audio format as a podcast, um, but well, even, even like to give you a sense of the tightness of it all, um, but we will try. So James, I'm going to send you a picture so you can get a sense of how tight some of the areas are. But yeah, on Jan- fuck you, everyone else, I'll get a picture. <laughs> now, on January 30th, 1925, Floyd heads back to the cave to continue work excavating. At the entrance to the cave, he hangs up his jacket. He won't be needing it in the cave. It will likely get caught on something anyway. He ducks down into a five-foot entrance into the cave, with nothing but a kerosene lamp to illuminate the way. The passage gets smaller, and Floyd crawls on his hands and knees, avoiding catching himself on the sharp rocks. He then has to shuffle himself down a tight chute he spent time digging. At this depth now, all daylight is gone. Floyd is in complete darkness, except for the kerosene lamp showing him the way. A hundred feet in, he reaches what is known as the turnaround room. Now, there are two reasons for this name. One is because it's a space big enough for a caver to turn their body in a way to continue on. The other, I think, is more apt. It's the space for where many people decide not to fucking go any further, and they're like, nope, I'm out, thanks, bye, and they disappear off. Now, I mean, the picture you've just sent me, like, I'll try and create some sort of mental image. I'm sure everyone's seen pictures of cavers where they're stuck between, like, a rock that's like the floor and the roof, and it's just about big enough to fit their ribs through, and they're lying flat in their faces. That is what this is. Like, you're not standing here, you are shuffling an inch at a time on your stomach. The image that I sent you specifically refers to this next bit. At the turnaround room, to go any further, you had to go through what is affectionately known as the squeeze. And they meant it. Floyd had to contort his body to squeeze himself into a gap that is nine inches big. For reference... A foot-long subway is 12 inches. Yeah, that's... I mean, I'd know all about nine inches. Hey! But, no, that's fucking terrifying. And it's no one's ever been through there before, so he never know. He doesn't know what's on the other side, like what he's heading into. It could just get narrower and narrower. Well, this is the thing. At some point, Floyd, yeah, so he's been in like, and that's the thing with these cavers a lot of the time they don't know where they're fucking going they're just squeezing themselves in this gap and they're like oh I can get in there squeeze 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 and then like what happens if you get stuck you're fucked I don't get it but um, obviously the, James yeah the picture you have that is sort of what Floyd would have looked like going through the squeeze just it's terrifying because in my head I'd be a caver if it was just walking through cavernous spaces where mm. it's like so vast you're like whoa this is cool the second you ask me to squeeze anywhere, I'm not there. Yeah. I'm gone. Well, I was going to ask you about how like how you feel about caves. I like going in big cavernous sort of like Yeah, yeah, yeah. cavernous ones, no problem. Big things in 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 like cliff edges and stuff. Like I like that. That's cool. But as soon as I have to start squeezing into things, I'm like, nope. Yeah, no. Nope. No. Claustrophobia sets in very quickly. What well, do you, are you someone that often suffers with claustrophobia? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. I had Right, this is a weird story. In uni, we went, I went to an arts uni, so it was very artsy-fartsy. Uh, and I like to get friendly with the, especially the girls on makeup. You probably understand my reasoning. And one of them asked me, like, do you want to be part of my projects? I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. I'll be part of your project. And I had to have a full-on face and shoulder cast done. Wow. And the process of that is you have to sit there and they essentially paper mache your face and shoulders for about an hour and a half and you are completely fucking consumed in this thing and all you've got is two nostril holes and that's mm. all that's all I had to breathe in through the entire thing and I didn't have a panic attack so I think I'm okay no that's pretty but I good. still that's wouldn't go caving because well why would I 
yeah, no, I'm not about that. I don't mind going in like, you know, you do those big caving things in like Wales where you like attached on a zip line and you sort of scoot around. I don't mind that. Yeah, I'll do that. If someone's been in there before and there's harnesses and zip lines, I'll do it. And I've paid to do it. These people have been approved by a health and safety standard. Like, fine. No, no worries. Yeah. Um, Fun fact about uh, claustrophobia. So I had a little look, if anyone's curious. And according to the NHS, which is uh, the UK's National Health Service, uh, around 10% of the UK population suffers with claustrophobia, which is quite a lot, I think. Um, I think it's also very valid, considering this can easily lead to death in a tight situation. So it's just a, another fear of death, isn't it? Yes. So when people are like, oh, you're afraid of heights, you're so like such a wimp. If I fall, I die. I think it's quite reasonable to be yeah. somewhat apprehensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and globally, it's estimated that around 12% of people have claustrophobia, which is like, what, over a billion people almost, nearly? Nearly. Well, how many is 8 billion on the planet? So, yeah, pushing it, pushing it. Yeah, it's about like nine 900 million or so, if that's the number. But, yeah, it's quite a lot of people that suffer with it. Mm. Anyway, Floyd is squeezing through a 9-inch fucking gap. That's... Ugh. Anyway... For Floyd to get through, he has to have his arms by his side and laying on his front, shuffle his body into the gap like a snake. Yeah, no. And to fit in, he has to breathe out to make more room. That's how tight it is. It's This is the thing I learned. Did you learn this as like actor training as well? That everyone's like, when you breathe, like most people like in cartoons breathe in to like make themselves skinnier and fit through places when if you actually think about it logically if you breathe in you're taking in air so you expand mm. yeah yeah it's weird especially if, especially you want you, you especially if you breathe in your diaphragm yeah yeah, yeah exactly say. you want to expel all your air yeah one of the wankiest things they're like don't breathe through your lungs breathe through your diaphragm you're like no i'm sorry that is literally what the lungs are for then you're there at like nine in the morning practicing how to breathe wondering why you're spending <laughs> nine grand a year on it <laughs> yeah Anyway, yeah. this stuff's nightmare fuel. I don't. Uh, <laughs> why would anyone do this? I don't get it. I don't get it. If you are a caver, fucking send me a message and tell me why you do it. Like, and I don't mean, I don't mean like you like wandering around caves or like you know you go on little country walks. I don't mean that. I mean, do you squeeze yourself into these tiny gaps? I want to know who you are. Yeah, for anyway, fun. Gradually, bit by bit, he gets through. His clothes tearing as they catch on the rock. On the other side, he sits on a small ledge. On the other side of that ledge is a 10-foot drop. He's been here before, so there's already a rope there to help him get down. At the bottom, there is very little room. It's so tight he can't even bend down in front of him, so Floyd has to squat and get into a seated position. There's a gap along the floor for him to get through, but it means getting into the seated position and then going in legs first. Floyd begins to squeeze himself into the gap, his arms by his side, his lamp by his head. Floyd shuffles down. He stops. He notices that his lamp is starting to flicker. He needs to get out to put more fuel in it, so he begins to shuffle back, nudging the lamp along using his shoulder. When he catches it on a stone and it falls, smash oh bollocks floyd is now laying in total darkness i i can't even oh yeah this is this is a nightmare like an actual nightmare floyd doesn't panic though he's an experienced caver he's confident that he can get himself out of this by sensing his way around as he continues to shuffle himself along to try and get back into the seated position He puts his foot on a rock for leverage. When he puts weight on it, it collapses. A 15 kilogram rock falls and lodges itself onto Floyd's left leg, trapping it. As well as loose rubble covering his body up to the top of his chest, he is completely trapped. Floyd tries to wriggle himself free, but the more he moves, the more rubble falls on him. Floyd is now completely trapped lying in a cave 46 metres down in complete darkness and nobody can hear him. Does anyone know where he was going that day? Did he tell anyone? Well, yeah, I think people knew like where he was. They knew he was a caver. They knew he went in lots of different caves. And I think they must have known 
yeah he he's you know this is currently the cave that he's working on um but we'll get to this so I've this just is sent- the 127 hours thing though isn't it always fuck it if you're going somewhere by yourself always always tell someone where you're going especially like nowadays obviously you can do it because it was back in the day mm. but i think if you are doing this invest in like an apple air tag and just take it with you yeah yeah I then something one. did happen someone can know where you are mm. now james i've just sent you another image and by all means guys just like have a google as we go along with the story because it is really difficult to explain a cave um as you can see you can see where floyd is lying down and you can see that that shaft on top where his head is that's the drop mm-hmm. that he's just come down so you can see how narrow and tight that is where you can't actually bend forward you have to like scoot down squat and then get in that seated position and lay flat yeah. um that's the position that floyd is now stuck in yeah that's fucking horrible yeah many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, it would take nearly a full day for people to realize that Floyd had gone missing. That might seem odd. A man hasn't been seen for 24 hours but that might be cause for concern for some, but not necessarily for Floyd. He was known to stay at other people's properties on the family farm and even slept in the caves he was working on, so it wasn't unusual for him to not be at home. But neighbours were a little concerned, so they went to check up on Floyd. When they got to the sand cave, they saw his jacket still hanging outside of the cave, and that, for them, was cause for concern. They entered the cave and got so far as the turnaround room, and understandably so. They didn't want to go any further than that. So from there, they shouted out for Floyd, hoping to hear him. Miraculously, they heard him shout back. He was alive, but he was trapped. The neighbours went off to go and get help. A big old cluster of men gathered around the cave, all claiming they wanted to help, but none of them would go so far as the turnaround room. And I honestly don't blame them. I'm not gonna. I'm not going through a nine-inch gap to go get someone back. I'm sorry, but you're not supposed to go through there, so I'm not getting you. And how are you supposed to help? You can't exactly just grab him when you're down there. There's no room. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? So we talk about it later, but like, you know, when you eventually get to him, he's not easily moved. You can't get him out of this spot. It's really tricky. We'll we'll talk about it as we go. It's it's not easy just getting him out. Now, after being trapped in the cave for 40 hours, Floyd's younger brother, Homer, is called and brought in. When he gets there, he asks for an update on his brother, but nobody can truly tell him how he's doing, because nobody has actually been as far as to see him. Furious, Homer goes in himself. When he gets to the turnaround room, he doesn't hesitate. He squeezes himself through, and when he gets to the other side, Shining his lamp down the ten-foot shaft, he sees the head and shoulders of his brother Floyd. Relieved to see a familiar face, Floyd and his brother talk for a bit. Homer promises his brother that he'll get him out of there, but he needs to get some supplies. He leaves a lantern for Floyd and he heads back up the shaft. Hours go by and Homer makes it back to Floyd. This time he's joined by a wondrous smell. Homer's brought a flask of coffee and some sausage sandwiches. (laughs) <laughs> now, honestly i i can smell them now and i would have been so happy because you, you know there's that smell of like of cave it just has a yeah. wet damp smell and the idea of just have you got sausages like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i bet he's fucking starving as well yeah he's been there for like nearly two days yeah. he sits with his brother and he feeds him 
Floyd devours an entire litre of coffee and nine sausage sandwiches. He bought nine with him, fair play. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that got me, and I was when I was like reading this story and finding a bit more about it, I was like, oh, nine sausage sandwiches. I One, I don't think I could eat nine sausage sandwiches. But also, those nine sausage sandwiches have got to go somewhere once you've eaten them. Yeah, I mean, there's two things there. One, he's going to bloat, so it's going to be harder to move. Mm. And two, he's going to shit at some point. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, he has to shit and piss himself at some point. And that's... I was thinking about this. I was like, just the pure smell of... like At some point, he's just laying in his own piss and shit. So, um, I've sent you another image now. So, you'll be able to see sort of like... Oh, this is interesting. A bit more of a map of like sort of how they get around there. Now, every single picture is a wee bit different because it's very difficult to actually like map these in a in a way that makes sense to us in a 3D way. Um, but you can kind of see um, how difficult it would be to get to him. Yeah. Now, with a bit more energy in him, Floyd tried once again to wriggle himself free, but the more he moved, the more rubble came down. Homer tried to shovel the rubble away with an old syrup can. Topside arguments were being had about how they might get Floyd out. Some suggested dynamite to blow the rocks away. This is obviously a bad idea. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of sort of just, you know, I don't know, Cletus was just like, oh, we should use dynamite. <laughs> yeah, just fucking blow it up. Fucking blow that shit. Um, <laughs> another idea was to use a blowtorch to try and cut through the rock, but then it was suggested that actually to get the rock to that sort of level of heat where you can cut through it, you'd actually cook him alive. Uh, yeah. And one thing that was unanimous was that uh, amputating Floyd's foot to get him free was probably the best way of getting him out. But that mm -hmm. was a last resort. And moreover, they couldn't even get to his foot because of all the rubble in the way. Like, remember, his rubble's like up up you know, on his chest. You can't get to Yeah, him. they have to get past him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you then got to get past him. And remember, he's got his arms by his side because it's tight. He has to, like, shuffle his way through like a snake. So you can't even get around him. Mm -hmm. Floyd has now been in the cave for three days when a guy called William Miller shows up. He's a journalist with a local newspaper in Louisville. He's affectionately known as Skeet by his friends for Mosquito because he's so small and slender. That's a good nickname, I think. Yeah. He speaks with Homer, asking how Floyd is doing. But Homer, who at this point is the only person who's actually been to see Floyd in person, says, if you want to know about Floyd, go and see him yourself. So, he does. That is one hell of a journalist, putting himself in for the thick of it. This guy's one hell of a journalist. This guy wins a uh, Pulitzer Prize for his uh, journalistic works here. Like, oh, shit. It's seriously, seriously impressive what he goes on to do. Skeet makes his way through the cave, gets to the turnaround room, and keeps going. He meets Floyd face to face and asks him a few questions on how he's holding up. Skeet returns to Homer, clearly covered in dirt, proving that he had been so far as to see Floyd, and that earns Homer's trust and respect. Skeet would go down to visit Floyd on many occasions, helping him remove rubble and interviewing him. His articles would become public fascination. Regular updates were given in the paper and even hourly reports were transmitted over radio. Mm. Nearly four days have gone. A new guy shows up to the scene. Lieutenant Robert Burden, a firefighter who's come to help. He suggests using a rope to just pull him out. And a doctor explains that this could cause more harm to Floyd, either tearing his internal organs or even ripping his legs clean off if you pull too hard. But they try it anyway. Oh, I said, don't listen to the doctors. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so real was this possibility as well. Floyd is given a shit ton of coffee a load of whiskey and sedatives to numb him should they tear him apart. They were like, just yeah, in case, just in case it's going to hurt. So let's try and <laughs> numb you as much as possible. So a harness is put around Floyd's shoulders while six men, including his brother Homer from the turnaround room, pull with all their might. And it kind of works, except Floyd is screaming in agony. You see, James, you can see by the picture I've just sent you, um, 
the angle that he's laying at, right, to pull that rope, all they're doing is they're pulling him up, which means they're crushing him against the ceiling in the gap that he's stuck in. It's no use. Yeah. 90 hours have gone by, and Floyd is no closer to getting out. That is until a man named Johnny Gerald shows up. He's an old family friend and a caver himself, so he gets it. He goes down to see Floyd and without hesitation begins pulling rubble out. Johnny works non-stop for hours. He manages to shift around 500 kilograms of rubble, so much that Floyd is able to move his arms again and get feeling back. It's a positive step. By the 100 hour mark, they'd managed to install electric lights in the cave to help them and give Floyd more hope. In fact, they even gave him a bulb of his own to keep near him. So not only was this sort of better than being in the dark, it was also used as a source of warmth for him. Mm, yeah. Now, speaking of warmth, when they enter back into the cave, they notice something has changed. Puddles are forming on the cave floor, and this is a bad sign. The reason for the puddles is that so many people are now outside the cave lighting fires to keep themselves warm while they attempt to rescue Floyd, they're actually melting the ice that's formed in the cave causing it to lose its structural integrity. Remember this is winter as well, like you know, they're all fucking freezing cold. They of course didn't know this at the time, but that ticking clock is starting to tick a little faster. Now, when I say so many people, I mean literal hundreds and thousands of people all heading to the cave where a man is stuck. In fact, there were miles of queues of people in their cars trying to get there. And a lot of these people weren't even there to help. They just wanted to be a part of something historic. See, the story was so popular that it is actually the third biggest non-political news story between 1918 and the war. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny now outside the cave it was essentially a carnival atmosphere there was hot food stands there were moonshiners wandering around despite prohibition there was everything but a ferris wheel floyd was a national story when journalist skeet went back in to see floyd he asked him how he felt knowing that so many people were interested in his plight now i think it's important to remember before i say this quote that Floyd has been trapped in a cold cave for near a week and is not only lying in his own waist, but the puddle has formed top the puddles that have formed topside are also forming underneath him. Floyd mm. is slowly dying from exposure, so he's drifting in and out of consciousness all the time. So when asked about how he felt about so many people being interested in the fact that he's trapped and they want to get him out, he said, quote, I believed I would go to heaven. I can feel that I am to be taken out alive and with both my feet. I kept thinking what would happen if the rock above me would fall. It caused me to shudder. I kept thinking to drive my mind to something else, but it wasn't much use. I couldn't do much to help those who came to help me, but I know that a lot of people were willing to do all in their power. It gave me courage. Tuesday morning, I thought to myself, four days down here and no nearer to freedom than I was on the first day. How will it end? How will I get out? I couldn't think of it. I've faced death before. It doesn't frighten me, but it is so long. Tell them I am not going to give up. Tell them I'm going to fight and be patient and never forget them. It's all looking positive, right? Yeah, the man had hope. Yeah, dude's got hope. It's all looking positive. They're they're slowly getting the rubble out. There's so many people topside. Like, this is a good story here. That was until on the sixth day when they went back in for another day of pulling out rubble. The entrance to the cave was blocked. Remember I said the cave was losing its structural integrity? Mm -hmm. There was a cave-in overnight. Oh. Family friend in Caver Gerald was staring at the rubble, shouting for Floyd, but he couldn't hear him shout back. In a panic, he started hauling the rubble to one side. He worked tirelessly for hours, creating a space for him to continue. All around him, dust and rubble fell. 
You could even hear the cave groaning as it expanded and shrunk again. He got to the turnaround room and to the entrance to the squeeze, where more rubble was blocking the way in. Without a thought, he starts moving rock and rubble when a large rock falls from the roof and lands flat on his back. Gerald concedes defeat and leaves the cave injured. Now remember, I said that this was a big story, right? Even mm-hmm. the governor of Kentucky heard about it and he was like, hell if I ain't getting involved in this. Like, <laughs> this is an election winning story here. Yeah, it's good publicity, isn't it? Oh, yeah. With such an interest, a local businessman who worked in the mining industry turned up with his men and said that he could get Floyd out. In fact, the governor of Kentucky even promised to pay those that rescued Floyd, so miners from all over the state started to show up to help. The whole thing was such a circus that conspiracy theories began to circulate. That's how big this story is. Conspiracy theories started to come up. Some were saying that the whole thing was a hoax to gain publicity and make money. That Floyd wasn't even trapped in the cave, it was just an elaborate plan. In fact, one person pretended to be Floyd at a post office to send his mother a letter when Floyd's mother has been dead for near a decade at this point. People (laughs) are weird. Yeah. The problem was that nobody properly understood how serious the situation was. They They were sitting there and they're like, why can't you just go in and pull him out? I don't understand what the problem is. You know, like, do you remember the um, the Thailand cave incident a few years back? Yeah, yeah, Elon Musk yeah. got do, involved yeah. with. Like, and then he never fucking held. Yeah, but like, even that, I don't, I don't understand cave networks and systems. I don't get it. I'm like, why can't you just go in and get him out? But like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. For the miners and the cavers that are there, they understand what they're dealing with. But the tourists that are watching on, they don't get it. So they're just starting to make up stories. Wasn't that, was that the uh, football team, like the school? There yeah. Were the kids down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on a trip on it for like doing yeah. well or something i think they all survived didn't they i believe they did yeah there's a film about it yeah now the mining company wanted to use their heavy machinery to break through the cave to rescue floyd but very quickly they realized that doing so would flood the cave with dangerous fumes that could kill him instead they came up with a wild idea they would dig a hole by hand to get to him now the mining company estimated that they could get to Floyd in around 30 hours if they dig non-stop. They had 75 men working on rotation, digging constantly. When one man looked tired, they chucked him out and they put a new guy in. But that 30 hours turned into days. It was mm-hmm. hard graft. Remember, it's winter, it's cold. Overnight, the hole that they were digging would freeze over and with the heat of the men, it would then melt, turning the hole into a muddy pit. And at this point, Floyd has been trapped for over a week. He has been alone in the cave-in for three days. And you wouldn't be wrong to question at this point why you're doing this. Surely he yeah. cannot still be alive. And you honestly Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been the only one. People were thinking this. Many people began to lose hope. He's been in there over a week. He's not had food for near four days. He cannot be alive. Well, interestingly, science comes into the story. Remember the light bulbs that they put in to illuminate the cave? Oh, yeah. Despite the cave-in, they were still operational, which is odd. Oh, yeah. They were powered by a thin copper wire. Now, I didn't know this, but copper wire is very susceptible to minute fluctuations in resistance. And an engineer knew this, so rigged up the wire to a radio amplifier. And when they turned it on, they noticed a regular flicker, a fluctuation coming around on the amplifier, around 20 per minute. And they were like, what is that? It's Floyd's breathing that is twitching the copper wire and they can hear it he's alive he's alive he's still in there he's still going really really clever so with that they began once again to dig with about as much enthusiasm as they had on the first day just going at it but it was taking its time they initially thought they'd get to him in 30 hours just over a day it took near a week to get to him 
the light bulb telling people that he was alive by this point had burnt out. They now had no way of telling whether he was alive or not. On February 16th, two weeks after Floyd was trapped in the cave, they pickaxed through the cave wall. Once they got through the gap, they saw a golden glint. That glint was light reflecting off Floyd's golden tooth. They had got to him. But Floyd has been without food and water for over a week now. And despite his claim that he would fight and be patient, there's only so long you can wait. Floyd was dead. Oh, man. Do you know what? When I listened to this story, uh, I watched I watched another guy sort of talk about it a, few, uh, a couple of years ago. And I was watching it. And I know what happens. And yet I was like, oh, are they going to get him? And, I, and then they're like... <laughs> He was dead. And I'm like, no! No, God, please, no! No! <laughs> I, I know yeah, I've, I've never heard never heard this story before, so I, I was just living in constant hope. It feels like, it. one, the cave-in fucked everything. Without the cave-in, I think he would have potentially made it. Yeah, But possibly. also, why didn't they start digging a lot earlier? Why did it take them days to... Well... I mean, when the miner, the guy who owns the mining business, when he got to the site, because remember, it had been, been about three or four days before they, he decided he wanted to join in on the search. Um, and when he got there, he was like, what the fuck have you been doing? And they're like, oh, we've just been using an old syrup can to like put rubble in. He's like, what the fuck? Like, this is so- <laughs> Let me go get my actual guys in here. If he'd come there earlier, yeah, 100%, I reckon they would have got him out. Um, yeah. I think it was all just about the timing of it all. Yeah, such a shame. Now, a coroner at the scene declared that Floyd had died from exposure and had likely been dead for three days. Coincidentally, around the same time that the light bulb burnt out. Uh. When Floyd's last beacon of hope died, so did all hope of getting out. That's heartbreaking to me that he's just laying there and the light bulb just flickered, 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 and then it went, zzz, and then he's just gone. <sighs> yeah, That's he it. must have gone through so many emotions, like the panic at the start, and then just the thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna die," and then seeing his brother and being like, "Fuck, okay, maybe we're good," mm. and living I... in constant hope, and then eventually just succumbing to it. I bet those sausage sandwiches tasted so good. Oh yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a great last meal. Mm-hmm. At least he got to see his brother before dying. Mm. For miners, the discussion now was, what do we do? It was dangerous enough an operation to try and save a man before he died, but to do it for a corpse, it's is that worth it? They decided it wasn't, so they filled the pit and Floyd was left entombed in the cave. Naturally, his brother Homer and the family weren't happy about this. They weren't well off. They had no means of financing such an operation to save his body, but that weren't going to stop them. See, Homer spent the next few months just doing anything he could to save and make money. He was even doing lecture shows, like, you know, standing up on stage in front of just people that would listen and be like, I'll tell you the fascinating story about my brother who got caved in and we didn't quite get him out. And he saved up as much money as he could to the point where they eventually had enough money to finance an operation to rescue his brother's body. Mm. And the weird thing is when they got to the site, remember this pit has been like filled up. They got to the site with the diggers and everything and they were like, who are you? And there's a guy standing there and this guy's like, oh, have you come to see the grave of the guy who's entombed here. Oh, cool, yeah. Do you want to give me like a couple of shillings? And they're like, no, 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 no. We're here to dig him out. This guy had just like started making money to like tourists <laughs> to come and have a look at the fucking thing. And there'd be like a sign being like, dead man brought in a cave over here. Come and have a look at it. Like, <laughs> Mad. Yeah. How did his brother not know that was going on beforehand? I've, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's crazy that that happened. Now, with that guy out the way, the operation began and Floyd's corpse was excavated from the cave almost four months to the day that he'd entered. His body was embalmed and he was buried on the family land next to his mother. On his gravestone, it read, Greatest cave explorer ever known. Which is nice. Also not... It's nice. I I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) 
I'm glad you said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Floyd probably was a really nice guy, and it's a harrowing story, and like one about love, and that they wanted to get him out, but come on, he wasn't that good. <laughs> no, he. He went silly, in with really. one lamp. He went in with one lamp. Come on, bro. Yeah, I'd let this be a lesson to anyone who's thinking of going caving. Yeah. Just simply don't. Yeah. Um, and you know what's mad? We're not even done. This is not even the end of it. Oh, well, continue. <laughs> Floyd is dead, but this is not the end of it. Floyd's still got some adventures to go on. In 1927, a dentist named Dr. Harry Thomas bought the family farm from Floyd's dad, but he made him sign a particular document. In the contract, it stated that all the land would belong to Thomas, including everything on it, including possessions. It would all belong to him. Nothing could be touched by Floyd's dad. He basically had to just take the money and walk. Mm -hmm. And so much to like Homer's protestations. He was like, Dad, don't do this. But his dad was a drunk and he was like, no, listen, kid, the guy's offering me a lot of money. We're going. So he agreed. But he honestly, he shouldn't have. See, Thomas was not just a dentist, he was a cave owner himself, and he saw this as a perfect opportunity to make more money. So, he had Floyd's body taken out from his own grave, and he placed him in a coffin with a glass lid and put him back in the cave that he was trapped in for tourists to come and gawk at. This doesn't come across on podcast, but I just have to sit there with my mouth open for a second. I'm, I'm keeping the pause because that was great. <laughs> yeah. They spent so much time, manpower, money, getting this body out. And this bloke's just being like, mm, pop it back in. Yeah. In a fucking coffin. Yeah. Something like, and what's more, they like... This place was basically inaccessible. That's why they couldn't get him out. It was so inaccessible. But now it's got to the point where it's been excavated so fucking much that tourists can just stroll down there, yeah. have a little look, and then head back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they put they put his body in there. Um, in fact, you can uh, if you Google it, you can actually find the pictures uh, where tourists have gone down to see the grave with the coffin just lying there, and they have no picture taken with it. Um I'm going to do that right now, right, right yeah. now. Yeah, it's easily found. Everyone, if you're listening, you can have a look at it. And it's such a surreal experience because, like you said, that cave has now been excavated to a point where you can actually get down there because he died and they put his coffin down there with a glass lid. You can see him lying there just decomposing slowly. And they're like, yeah, this is Floyd Collins. He died here. Um, the, the, the major, there it is. You found it. Yep. That that cave has been fucking excavated, hasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a money maker, James. Someone died there. There's people just standing up next to the coffin, like, and when I say standing up, they're standing up. People, there's a kid, there's a couple of kids, mm-hmm. a few women in just dresses. They've just strolled down there. Hell yeah, yeah. That's the kind. Of, this is the kind of cave I would go in because you mm. can walk. Mm. The but irony, you clearly you couldn't do that months previous. The irony is that Floyd died trying to excavate that cave to a point where people could take their picture inside it and it kind of happened i mean he got his final wish but fucking hell at what cost i know that's crazy yeah i mean we're proper in like piece of shit territory here with that guy yeah he's, he's seen that's his awful. opportunity he took him out of his own grave and did that oh there's also a picture of here of the people listening to the radio i guess to with the the oh, lights yeah. and stuff yeah, that's cool. Now, Floyd was the main attraction at that cave that he had discovered and died in for years. That was until the night in 1929 when two unknown people climbed down into the cave and stole Floyd's body. Fucking hell. <laughs> Just let the guy rest. <laughs> and and do you know what as well? They didn't even treat him any good. They put his body in a hessian sack and just carried him over their shoulders whilst they ran out the cave. Now, we don't know what caused them to do this, but Floyd's body was then found dumped in a ditch. Now, maybe they knew that his body was hot property, that someone would come and have a look for it because, you know, this is a tourist attraction. It makes damn good money. 
We also don't know who did this, although it is theorised that the people that stole his body were other cave owners that wanted to take away the main attraction for that cave. I mean, that makes sense. It would make sense. Um, But either way, Floyd's body was found in a bush by the police. His body was brought back to the cave and placed in a new coffin. (laughs) All of him, except for his left leg that was broken off in the escape. Coincidentally, that is the same leg that had him trapped in the cave. So the one thing that got out the cave and stayed out the cave is the thing that killed him. This story is mad. Yeah, right? (laughs) This new coffin was sturdier and was chained. Ironically, Floyd was now more entombed as a dead man. Due to the conditions inside the cave and the fact that he was decomposing inside of it, he was given a new coffin every decade or so due to the rot. This lasted up until the 60s. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, right, okay. But his family never gave up hope of freeing Floyd from the cave. They argued on every legal angle that they could not have his body placed in that cave. They, he, there was, he could not have like allowed that to happen. They needed him out of the cave. And it wasn't until 1961 when the cave was bought by Mammoth Cave National Park and closed it to the public. They were like, no, this is weird. It's morbid. Don't. That is, is a bit fucking weird. Yeah. The family once again petitioned for Floyd to be given a proper burial. And in 1989, they did just that. A team of 15 people over the course of three days removed his casket from the cave. Floyd Collins was finally free from the cave and put to rest where he resides in Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery in Kentucky, 64 years after he entered the cave. What a journey. I know, I know. So, sadly, this story doesn't have a happy ending. Floyd doesn't survive, but he is now at rest in a good place. I mean, that is good, and you can't go into that cave anymore. Uh, No, I think that area is now closed off. Because I guarantee, because myself included, was like, can we go down there? Yeah, I want to go. I kind of want to go down there. Yeah. Yeah. So. How crazy is that story, though? Honestly, what a wild ride. You think it's over, then it just keeps going. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. And you're like, well, he's dead now. No, no, his body's now also going to be put back in the fucking cave. You're like, oh, that's so disrespectful. That is a mad story and is honestly one of the worst ways to die, I think. Mm. Mm. Because you're just there how long? Over a week, just with your thoughts. Yeah, because I'm going to assume at some point, like, yeah, I'm sure his leg is sore, but I bet that went numb after a while. And, you know, you're just lying there and you've kind of got used to the cold, maybe. You're used to the puddle. You're just sort of laying there, like you say, with your thoughts, just like, hmm, no one's been down for yeah. an hour or so. It's been a little while. Like, and then just, ah, oh, honestly, just the thought, the imagery of the light just gone out. Mm-hmm. That, that, would, that, would, that would be it for me. I'd be like, nah, nah I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just fucking, just nod off. Oh, that's so that, awful. But when you told me that we were doing cavers, and I said, oh, I probably, I think I know which caver, and I didn't, because there's another one that happened in 2009, and this one's really famous. It's John Edward Jones, mm. and you'll probably know the image, because every, like, lab bible, or them kind of places, run it every fucking... And he, oh, I thought this story was bad. He was trapped upside down for 24 hours, clearly got fucking nothing uh, on the story we've just listened to. But he was in Nutty Putty Cave in Utah, Oh, um, yeah. And they, in the end, they couldn't get him out, so they just cemented him in, so now no one can ever make the same mistakes that he did. Wow. So he's just there. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of him right now. Do you recognise him? Uh, No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, he had, he had a heart attack, Um, because oh, really? I think, like, things, like, he was getting so much pressure on his chest, eventually, like... He just gave out. But yeah, it was just completely sealed off, so you can't go down there anymore. He's stuck facing down as well. He's stuck head first. Yeah. I think that's why he died a lot quicker as well, because the blood was just rushing. Oh, blood's just gone to his head. Yeah. That's awful. But yeah, that's another scary one. And that was 2009, which shows that this shit still happens. So stop going in fucking caves. Stop, stop going in caves, honestly. 
Honestly, that's horrific. I don't get it. I don't understand the appeal. What do you get out of this? What do you gain? Mm-hmm. And don't tell me adrenaline. Go on a roller coaster. Go skydiving or something. I don't know. Just stop going in caves. I'm looking at a um on like Google Images. There's clearly like a uh, YouTube video, and it has a quote saying, "I really, really want to get out," as if maybe that was something <laughs> he said. <laughs> If I was in that situation, I think I too would say I really, really want to get out. I probably would. And then I think the next sentence would be, well, it's my own fault. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've got yourself into this mess. Yeah. Still a nasty way to go. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's the story of Floyd Collins. I, I hope you've all enjoyed it. And if you are claustrophobic, I, I hope this gave you some eebie-jeebies. <laughs> it, was, it was enthralling. Yeah. Um. Right, so uh, just to let you guys know what we're up to soon. Uh, it's coming up to Halloween, spooky season. So uh, the next mm. episode is going to be fucking dark. Uh, <laughs> um, we like Halloween. Yeah, I like Halloween. Only for the dark stories. Um, we were like considering what we were going to do for Halloween. Um, we are going to be doing a separate Patreon thing for Halloween. We're going to be, James and I will be back in London together, uh, going around and doing something. Um, so look forward to seeing that on the patreon at some point soon so like i say i've, I've, I've backed out now like three times this episode already but yeah head over to patreon <laughs> it's really fucking good uh well, it will be uh <laughs> there's so much shit coming we've got your auschwitz documentary we've got the halloween thing we've got my italian that's wow yeah we got we it's got, like uh, it's basically amazon prime at this point <laughs> it is yeah um so yeah look forward to that coming up soon um I'm, we're excited to go around london again um and yeah got some spooky stuff coming up so thank you very much for listening everyone if you do have any recommendations again please um send them over to us we love them and uh yeah get in touch with us it's been fantastic hearing from you all and we love you lots thanks for listening we'll see you on the next one stay out of caves sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.